Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. This week, the twins will be discussing individuals who killed for love. When two members of an affluent family are killed in their own home, detectives uncover a salacious affair at the center of it. Please be aware that this episode will discuss violence and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ooh, That's Creepy podcast. Jackie and I are here today with a new theme for you guys. And since Valentine's Day is right around the corner, Jackie and I thought that we would do a little theme involving some love gone wrong. I hate to say it, but I really, really like all the TV shows that are like centered around couples like all the ones on id and oxygen that are focused on couples or like snapped i mean come on now everyone loves snapped yeah if you guys haven't learned already jackie lives for drama (laughs) she feeds off drama i seriously do i don't know why i love reading and listening to shocking information probably because i have absolutely no drama in my real life (laughs) But so, yeah, we just wanted to do some drama. And also, I just want to say, like, preface, you know, this theme is about killing for love. But at the same time, of course, no disrespect to the families and to the victims in these situations. It's not like we're getting enjoyment out of what happened to them or anything like that. But yeah, and I don't actually like the drama. It's just like, you know, it's not like I'm happy while reading it, but I can't stop reading it. I go down a rabbit hole. Which yeah. I feel like a lot of people do that. And at the same time, that's why these shows and podcasts exist. Because as messed up as it is, people want to hear about it. So, yeah, this will be the the sneaky link episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know it's going to be messy. <laughs> yeah, speaking of messy, are you guys watching Euphoria? That uh, oh Maddie-Cassie drama? Let's talk about that on Instagram. That whole show is just ruining my life right now in the best of ways. Yeah, so if you're watching that show, you'll also know why Jackie and I chose this theme today. Uh, (laughs) Relatable to the show's themes. Mm -hmm. So let me just hop right into it. So I'm going to be talking today. The theme is Killing for Love. And this little story, let's try and jump right into it. This story has been featured on a lot of shows. So A lot of this information that I'm getting is from the 48 Hours Mystery called, the episode is Family Affair. I couldn't find it streaming on anything, but if you just type in 48 Hours Mystery Family Affair, I watched the episode on their website, and it gave a lot of good information. So, let's start. In the early morning of August 25th, 2008, police in Springfield, Georgia, received a phone call from a woman named Linda Height. Linda told police that an intruder had broken into her family's home and had shot them. And Linda had actually been shot as well through her face. So she was very badly wounded and could barely speak on this 911 call. But Linda called and she told responders that an intruder had came into their home while she was asleep and um, 
she heard shots and she woke up and when she went to see what was going on, she doesn't know who shot her, but someone shot her. When police arrived at the scene of the home invasion, the assailant was gone, but the entire house was covered in gasoline. Ooh, that's not a good sign, obviously. Yeah, so the intruder was clearly going to light the home on fire, and police very quickly thought that they were, when they were still in the home and about to light it on fire when Linda called the police, and for whatever reason, they just ran, um, which is good for Linda, obviously. So, Linda did survive. Um, She was taken to the hospital, but sadly, Linda's husband and one of her sons were both killed at the scene. Oh, no. So, let's get into Linda Height and the family real quick. I wanted to start with that, and I'm going to kind of go from the crime back in time to the crime a little bit, and then back give more backstory, because... If I just gave it in the order of the events, it wouldn't be as entertaining. It'd be obvious. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So the Height family, the father was Philip. He was a successful real estate developer, and he had actually been married to Linda Height for 41 years. Well, she wasn't Linda Height when he met her, but they met at a county fair. So cute. Oh, I love that. Isn't that adorable? They were a seemingly perfect Christian couple. They had this great real estate business. The couple had three sons, Craig, then Chris, then Carrie. They're like the Kardashians with C's. I was just going to say, I kind of liked it, though. I know. Not going to lie. With with C's, though. Yeah, (laughs) C.C. German than (laughs) C.C.'s. I'm done. So, Chris and Craig, they were known to be outdoorsmen. They loved to go hunting and be in nature and everything like that as they grew up. Carrie, though, he, the youngest, he actually was more thoughtful and he wanted to get into business. So, Carrie, when he was an adult, did join his father, Philip, in the real estate business. And the two of them loved it. They worked together frequently. Carrie was also married to his high school sweetheart, a woman named Robin. The two, they started off as good friends, and they actually fell in love during their senior year. It was pretty cute, like the typical, we're best friends, but then now that we're seniors, we kind of realize that we're in love with each other this whole time. That's like literally a a book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they were married shortly after high school. You know, they settled into their happy little life. They had three children together. Um, By the time they had those children, Carrie was making great money working for Father Phillips' real estate business. Robin took a job as a paraprofessional. I should have looked up what that was. Maybe a paralingual? Maybe. I don't know. But basically, Robin, she was raising the kids and Carrie was kind of, you know, working nonstop. The typical thing when you have a a family business, it's kind of hard to get away from it. So Yeah. They had the three children, and um, everything seemed great. At the time of the murder, the children were aged 10, 7, and 3. By the time it was 2008, the couple, uh, Carrie and Robin, they started to experience some strain in their relationship due to Carrie working so much. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. Wait, so you said there's three kids. So Linda... But only one of them was killed? So this started off with Linda and Philip. They had three kids. 
Carrie, Chris, and Craig. The kids oh, okay, grew up. Okay, okay, okay. So they weren't actually kids. They were adults. Okay, sorry. I got confused for a second. No, that's okay. I just didn't want to say what son was killed yet. Oh. So. Because what, yeah, for a second I thought they were killed when they were kids. And I was like, wait, that's so weird why they would only kill one of three small children. Well, no, because that was Philip and that was Linda Height who made the call. Yeah, okay. So we're talking about Linda's son, Carrie, and Robin. And so, yeah, all of, everyone in this, everyone in this, like, is adult. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I can deal with child murder. No, that's okay. okay. That's none of this in the story. So, 2008, this is the year that the murders happened. Carrie and Robin have been married for quite some time, and they have three children. Carrie is also working with his father, Philip, in his real estate business. Okay. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Robin, she starts to feel lonely. Her husband, Carrie, isn't really giving her as much attention as she wants because he's always working with his father and with the family business and everything like that. So even though she has three children to take care of, she kind of gets a little bored. And Robin is like, hmm. hmm. So let's go back to the crime scene for a minute. Police thought that the crime scene had looked staged immediately. The sheriff of the town knew the Height family well. Basically, everyone in the town knew the Height family well because of their successful real estate business. And since the sheriff knew them so well, he thought that maybe this had something to do with the business and could kind of be big. So he called the Georgia Bureau of Investigation the day of the murders. Like, can you come look at this? He was on top of it. Yep. Investigators, um, police, they all go to the scene. The killer had cut the phone lines and smashed a pane of glass in the door. So, you know, at first they're like, uh, was this a robbery for money? Because people knew that the Height family had money. Both Philip Height and his son had a lot of money. So they thought maybe. But when they looked further... They noticed that the spare key was actually in the door handle. Ooh. So the killer cut the phone lines and smashed the pane of glass in the door to make it seem it was a robbery. But had the key. But they entered using the key. Oh, you have to remember to grab it. I know. And there was also a ton of jewelry and money in the house, and that was not taken. It was all just left there. But investigators determined that the killer used a 12-gauge shotgun and was about two feet away from the victims. So, again, they're like, okay, but this doesn't seem like a robbery because, you know, if you're robbing someone, you usually don't walk in and point blank shoot everyone. Yeah, it's definitely someone they know because they're too close. Yeah. And once Linda was determined to be okay, doctors said that she would have died instantly if she didn't turn her head to flinch. So turning her head when the person, whoever it was, walked in saved her life. Oh my gosh. Police also told 48 Hours that there was so much gasoline covering the house that they could smell it from their vehicles just pulling up. Oh my god, that would like... You would I'm s- surprised you wouldn't pass out from fumes, honestly. You would just smell like gasoline for the next week straight. Ew. It's like that Junji Ito story with the gasoline, or the... Uh, Remember? Oh, the oil. The oil. I did not like that story. Yikes. 
So as for a motive, like I said, police, they thought that the robbery was odd, but you know, they did kind of look into it more because you can't just cross it off your list based off as, um, a strange thing. So police, they kind of just looked into a potential drug dealer in town who they knew was a drug dealer. They were kind of just grasping at straws. So they were like, Hey, we know this one dealer, like maybe he wanted to rob them for cash. He's been in and out a couple times, but the dealer had an alibi for the night that was verified. Darn. So very quickly. <laughs> one lead. Yeah. He's like, um, I'm just trying to sling. I want nothing to do with you guys. I just imagine, like, a bunch of police officers sitting in a room, and they're all like, we have no leads. And then it's, like, crickets, and one's like, I know a drug dealer. <laughs> and then they're like, call him. They're like, uh, I busted someone last night. <laughs> call him. <laughs> so true. We kid. We kid. We're joking. Yeah, and honestly, like, in this story, they did a really great job. So next, the police looked into the, into Philip Heights real estate business, because... He wanted to see if there were any potential bad dealings or fallout with his clients. You know, his son was also in the business. So he's like, hmm, maybe there were some issues there or issues with both of them or whatever in the business. But there was nothing. Everyone really liked Philip as a businessman. He was one of those rare people who had no problems, like no bad dealings, no real estate deals gone bad or anything like that. So they really were just grasping for straws again. After sitting on the case and thinking about it a little more, the sheriff who was really close to the family, he actually remembered something and was like, wait, so the sheriff remembered that a couple years, or I'm sorry, a couple months prior to the Height family murders, Carrie Height, Philip's son, who was working in the business with him, had told the sheriff, I don't know why, I think that the sheriff like was around them a lot in business capacity, I'm not sure, but Carrie had just told him that he thought his wife was having an affair. And the sheriff at the time was shocked because he thought the family dynamic was perfect with the entire Height family, you know, Philip and Linda and all their sons just seemed so perfect. Carrie at the time, he didn't, he didn't mention who his wife Robin was having an affair with, just that he was upset and kind of, um, you know, just kind of just like shooting the shit with the sheriff real quick. Like, you know, <laughs> I found, I think Robin's sleeping around and I think the sheriff was kind of just like, oh man, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> God, I hate that. Been there. <laughs> just hours after Philip was killed, the sheriff was hearing rumors about who Robin was having an affair with. So very quickly, the sheriff was informed that Robin was sleeping with Carrie's own brother, Craig. What? Yes. No, I was not expecting that. Yes. That was why I didn't want to say which son it was from the jump, because I, I will leave that open for right now. So, so let's get into that affair. Now you guys want to hear about it. Even though everyone thought Robin and Carrie Height had this perfect family and perfect life, Robin was getting 
bored and lonely with Carrie being gone so much. I don't think that it's she didn't love Carrie anymore, but she was by herself a lot. She was taking care of the children, and I think she honestly just missed having attention on her. She's a beautiful woman, so I'm sure, you know, she wanted love still. But Robin was starting to develop feelings for Carrie's brother, Craig. And Robin actually admitted to 48 Hours that she made the first move on Craig. Not the other way around. Wow. What, like, did she say? How? Yeah, Robin said that she, at one point when her and Craig were alone, she said, I just wanted you to know that I am developing romantic feelings for you. And Craig responded that he felt the same way. So, Craig, at the time of Robin's advances, he was not in the best place. While Carrie was developing this great life for him while working in real estate, Craig had been married and gotten divorced and was now unemployed and living off disability. I'm not, I'm not sure what his disability was. I, I kind of feel like it had to be something with, you know, a body injury, but I'm not 100% sure. But either way, he was, I, I believe, living in, in Philip and Linda's house again. And yeah, so he, at the time, wasn't in the best place. So it kind of makes more sense for him to, like, fall into this... Um, Something new and exciting. Yeah, and, you know, Robin has money through Carrie. It's just like, dude, that's your brother's wife. But, yeah. So that, I'm pretty sure it was that same day that uh, Robin told Craig that she had feelings for him. They actually slept together on, like, the the couch of the family household. Ew. Yeah. No judgment, but I could never. <laughs> yeah. You're going to need a wet wipe on that after that. Let's sanitize that. <laughs> so, so wait, Craig isn't married, though? No. Okay, okay. No, Craig is That's not what I thought, but I had to, had to verify. No. So many people in this story. I know, and they all have C names. So many CCs. <laughs> I know. So, no, Craig is not married. But get this. So, this bitch Robin, oh, after... So, Robin says that she still really did love Carrie, and after two weeks of sleeping with Craig on and off... <laughs> she, Sorry. She just decides to tell Carrie the truth. So Robin just spice things up. <laughs> spice up the marriage real quick. She's like, hey, bae, I have a sneaky link. Uh, he's yeah. up at your parents' house. <laughs> so Carrie was obviously pissed because not only is his wife having an affair, but she is having an affair with his older brother. But Carrie, the, you know, Philip and Linda brought the boys up in a pretty religious household. So divorce... You know, they could get divorced. It wasn't like the family would shun them. But Carrie just really wanted things to work. They had three small children together. So Carrie and Robin decided to go to counseling together and marriage therapy. And they were trying to make things work. However, Robin continues to sleep with Craig, even While going to therapy with her husband, Carrie, she is still sleeping with his brother, Craig. Robin and Craig would sneak off to a hunting cabin on the Height family property and have sex. And before long, Philip Height, the father, found out. Oh, do you know how? 
I don't know how 100%, but the entire family knew, basically. I don't know if someone just said it. I mean, she told Carrie, so I don't know if he just told his dad and then Philip told Linda and everyone <laughs> knew. Yeah, yikes. But before long, everyone knew. Um, so Carrie, like I said, he did not want a divorce, but he secretly removed Robin from his life insurance policy and gave all of the benefits to his children. Ooh, sneaky. Similarly, Philip height the father he told his son greg if you don't stop messing around with your brother's wife i'm taking you off of the family inheritance wow i mean that's kind of good parenting i kind of think i think it is too like don't be doing that stuff messing with the family come on now there's plenty of other women and you have three sons you're around each other all the time because you're working together And I think, like I said, Craig, I'm pretty sure, was living there. He had to have been around Robin for Robin to even develop feelings. This was just such an awkward situation for all of them. Yeah, like, please, for the love of God, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Please, seriously, you're hurting everybody. (laughs) Please end these toxic habits. (laughs) You have the power, please. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so Philip was also really mad he told Craig he he would remove him from the family inheritance if he doesn't stop messing around. In the court document that I will link below, in early August of 2008, Philip apparently confronted Robin to her face directly about the affair, which turned into a really heated screaming match. And the court document claims that Philip screamed at Robin and actually grabbed her arm when she attempted to leave. So I think he, like, just grabbed her and wanted to keep talking to her. But either way, obviously never put your hands on a woman. Yeah, that's not appropriate. So Robin tells Craig about this. I don't know if she told Carrie, but she goes to Craig and is, you know, like, Oh, Philip put his hands on me. And obviously Craig is infuriated because not only is his dad about to cut him out of the will, but his dad also just put hands on his boo. Nobody want to see us again, <laughs> but it don't matter. That's just like what Craig's like to her now. I got you, babe. Literally. Ugh. I know. So things are getting really heated. The whole Height family is involved now. It's kind of, you know, like Philip and Carrie versus Craig and Robin is playing both sides. So just a week or so after Philip apparently yelled at Robin, Robin and Craig... This is the part where I'm like, y'all just don't even give a fuck. This is, like, so sad, too, that they're really tearing apart their whole family. Like, I get it's fun and exciting having an affair. Well, I don't get it, but I'm assuming that's what it's like. Mm -hmm. But it's just, there are so many other people. It's not worth tearing your whole family apart. Yeah, and the oldest child is 10 at this point. So they're not babies. And think about it. Like, think about putting two and two together. That mom is sleeping with your uncle. Like, that's really sad and disgusting, honestly. Yeah, and that's obviously going to mess with the kids, which is double really sad. Right. So just a week or so after Philip yelled at Robin and there was this confrontation... Robin and Craig escaped again to the Height family cabin to have sex. And this was one of the first times that Robin actually slept over the cabin and didn't return home. So she spent the night there with Craig. What? Okay. Listen to this. Okay. 
The next morning, Robin and Craig awaken to the sounds of a helicopter hovering closely above the cabin. And they see this (laughs) helicopter, you know, like lurking basically in the distance. And I don't know if he just admitted to it, but they find out that Philip had the father, Philip, had hired a helicopter to fly over to the cabin to see if it was, in fact, Robin and Craig together. That's, like, insane. Like, a movie. On the episode of 48 Hours, Robin told the interviewer that her and Craig watched the helicopter, and Craig said... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. I cannot hold that anymore. Lurking. I might keep that in there. (laughs) Craig said. (laughs) As they watched the helicopter, (laughs) as they watched the helicopter, Craig said, Carrie and Dad better watch out because I will get old school on them. (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't know. Old school? Maybe we're too young. I, I, so, yeah, you're gonna like. I anticipate violence. I yeah. smell violence. <laughs> yeah. So I assume. I smell cap. <laughs> literally. Robin claims she didn't know what Craig meant by this, so she ignored it. I think it's pretty obvious that no matter what getting old school means, it's not good. Yeah. So that night, the night the whole cabin helicopter incident happened. Robin returns home where she and Carrie got into a really intense argument, obviously regarding Robin's affair with Craig and Robin and Carrie's relationship. It was so intense between the two of them that Carrie left and wanted to sleep at his parents' house that night just to clear his head, which notably was something he had never done before. He really wasn't a person to leave, but that night he did. So their marriage, you know, clearly is just very on the rocks at this point. Once Carrie leaves, Robin decides to call up Craig and she tells Craig about the argument and says how upset she is and how upset she is at this whole situation and it's putting her through so much. Like you put yourself in this situation. And that cabin was like on the family property. So like the dad literally has... The dad and the dad has a right to go see who's on it. I don't know why Craig's like all jacked about that. Right? Knowing Philip with his real estate, he's probably like, I built this cabin with my bare hands. Probably. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, so Robin calls Craig and as you know, and Robin tells Craig, Carrie left and he went to stay, you know, at your parents' house and mm. Darn, come over. She actually so Craig doesn't come over. Robin says that she went to bed that night, and the next thing she knew, she was being awoken by police officers who informed her that Philip Height had been shot and killed, and her husband, Carrie, had also been shot and killed. But Linda was not killed. But Linda was alive. Huh. Wonder who could have done it. So police ask Robin, is there anyone, anyone you can think of who had a problem with your husband and his father, Philip? And Robin is like, no one, no one that I could think of would ever want to harm them. Just yesterday, uh, Craig said that he was going to get old school on them. Yeah. In the 48 Hours special, the reporter actually says, 
Craig didn't come to mind after all this. Literally. <laughs> I was like, thank you. For what, did, hours. what did you say? No. <laughs> Just like that. No. Wow. I know. Guys, as you can tell, I'm clearly not a big fan of Robin just because, like, after watching her on the 48 hours, and you'll see more as this show goes out, I just don't think she's a genuine person, but you guys can have your own decision. So Robin claimed that she, again, I'm like, how do you not think that he could have done it when you were just talking to Craig that night, and then the next morning you're awakened to find out that Carrie's murdered? So Robin said that she called Craig that night that night that the police informed her that Carrie was passed away. So literally the day she finds out that her husband and her father-in-law, which I'm sure Craig knows, like I'm sure Craig knows it's his family. He's like, yeah, I probably got called first. Yeah. So Robin calls Craig and she asked him, she claims she asked him if he had anything to do with the shooting, but he seemed shocked and was actually a little mad that she would even ask him that. According to Robin, um, investigators thought, oh, I'm sorry. So Robin, she was honest with the investigators that she was having an affair with Craig, but she said that she didn't believe Craig did it or had a reason to do it. And she definitely didn't. When detectives bring Craig in for questioning, because you know, they already at this point had crossed off the drug dealing thing, crossed off bad business deals, crossed off robbery. So they're like, okay, not only is there a disgruntled member of the family, but he was also sleeping with one of the deceased's wife. So detectives, it's so quick that they already have Craig in for questioning. And Craig... He went, when he was first brought in, he denied the affair completely and said that he never slept with Robin. Yikes. After they already interviewed Robin, who said that they were sleeping together. Craig continued to make himself look more and more suspicious as the days went on. When police asked him to return to the Height home to see if anything looked out of sorts or abnormal... Just, you know, see, like, was there anything that was taken that only the family would know about or a small thing that they use every day that's gone? And Craig just says out of the blue, well, my shotgun went missing. And these boots I had are also missing. And this gas can I once had is missing, too. All the stuff that you would need to commit a murder is somehow missing from my home. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, Craig. Craig also could not give a concrete alibi. I think he just said he was at home. Hmm. I don't, but I thought like, this is the one part that confuses me is I thought he was on and off living with Philip and Linda. So I don't, I, I could never find what his alibi was or if he just like was shaky and didn't have one. Yeah. Detectives then give Craig a lie detector test and he fails. So police ask Craig, straight up, did you shoot and kill your family? And Craig says, no. Well, if I did, I I don't remember it. Why do people say this? I was just going to say, who says that? And, you know, I get it that there are cases when the police are on someone's ass for like eight hours straight and they make a small comment like that. But it wasn't like that because I watched the tape and he didn't have to take a lie detector test. You know, you never have to. But... You know, and it's not like police were 
Like, he wasn't there for days or anything, like I said. So it was just all of these lies on separate occasions, on separate interviews that just weren't making sense. And the t- and when he went with them to the house, he made, you know, the more incriminating remarks about missing all of the items that were used in a murder. The next thing that made detectives even more suspicious, this is actually crazy, was Craig, he went to visit Linda in the hospital because Linda couldn't say who it was who shot. She didn't remember because it was all a blur and like she kind of just remembers opening the door and then the blast. So Linda was in a coma at first when Craig came to visit her and the nurses and the staff say Craig placed his hand on her shoulder and said, mom, it's Craig. I'm here to visit. And the nurse noticed that Linda's blood pressure actually skyrocketed. Ooh, that's not good. Now, Linda herself, she does not believe that Craig had anything to do with the murders. And she doesn't believe the account of what happened with the nurses. So, Linda Height, she believes that her son is innocent. Police and detectives feel for Linda, obviously, but they still believe that Craig had something to do with the murders because they have all this circumstantial evidence and all these lies on him. One smart, crafty little detective thought to check Craig for any potential bruises because of the shotgun that was used. You know, because if you're shooting a large shotgun like the one that was used in this crime, there would be a lot of kickback. When detectives ask Craig to remove his shirt, they see bruises on his upper arms and his shoulders, which were consistent with firing a gunshot multiple times, and if it, like, slipped while you were firing it. Craig, however, claims that he slipped in the shower and fell over the toilet. What? He said he was getting out of the shower and his feet were wet, and I think he, like, slipped and fell into the toilet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the like silence. I, I have nothing to say to that because that is just not true. But. Your face. You look like in Vampire Diaries when they compel someone, <laughs> and they're just staring into the other one's eyes intently. Yeah. That was me. That was Jackie during this long pause when I just told her that. <laughs> me processing him trying like get out of the shower and fall, and it's not happening. I know. It's just, it's just bad. So detectives, you know, they have a bunch of circumstantial evidence. But they don't have anything concrete. There's nothing so solid. At this point, police and detectives take a back seat and watch Craig from a distance to see what he would do now. And as police watch Craig, just three months after the murder, they see Craig moving in to the house with Robin, the same home where Carrie used to live. He moves into and is now living with Robin. I have no words. Detectives now believe that the motive was not only to kill Carrie and Philip for them being on Craig's ass about the affair, but also to kind of like the one police officer points out on the 48 hour special that Craig sleeps in his deceased brother's bed with his deceased brother's wife, then takes his brother's children to school the police officer believes honestly that Craig wanted to be Carrie. That is so creepy. 
And Craig, whether intentional or not, does kind of morph into this version of Carrie. Like, he's sleeping in the bed with Robin. He is taking care of the kids, taking them to school. All where his brother was living. It's just so strange. So strange. It is. At the same time, Craig and Robin are planning to get married and move out of Georgia together and, like, escape. You know? Probably for the best. As detectives and police watch Craig act more and more suspicious and see him moving in with Robin, they finally get the green light to place Craig under arrest. I'm not sure what changed or if the district attorney heard or if they got wind of Craig and Robin planning to leave, but they finally, in late 2009, so a year after the murders, Craig is placed under arrest for first-degree murder of Philip Height and Carrie Height as well as attempted murder for Linda. Both Linda and the third brother of in the Height family, Chris, they both maintain that they don't think Craig had anything to do with this. They admit, you know, he really loved Robin, which was wrong, but he was not the type of man who would kill his brother, father, and almost his mother. Robin also maintained that she believed Craig was innocent and that Craig would have never murdered his family. Robin maintains that she had nothing to do with the murders or with the crimes. However, just before Craig's trial in late 2010, Robin was arrested and charged with threatening a witness who was supposed to testify against Craig. What? And I could find next to no information on that. Like, the 48 hours didn't mention it. I found it in an article that I'll link below. Maybe that was hearsay and 48 hours didn't mention it, but that is what an article below lists. So. That would be crazy. I know. On December 1st, 2010, Craig Heights murder trial begins. Of course, it's the talk of the town. You know, it was already this crazy murder of a wealthy businessman and a wealthy businessman's wealthy businessman's son. <laughs> and after that, you know, the whole town comes to find out that this, like, love triangle is at the core of it. So, drama in town. The prosecution's argument was simple. Craig wanted Carrie's wife and Carrie's life. <laughs> give me your wife and give me your life. Give me everything. Yeah. Not only was Craig in love with Robin, but he sadly was unemployed and living at home at the time. So prosecutors alleged that, you know, Craig looked at Carrie and was jealous. He wanted to be this successful family man who everyone loved. Prosecution also pointed out that Craig couldn't be with Robin if Carrie and the father, Philip, stood in the way because Philip had threatened to remove Craig from the family inheritance if he started a relationship with Robin. So, you know, not only did Craig have beef with his brother, Carrie, he also did with his dad, Philip. Prosecutors also had a forensic expert take the stand who testified that after studies, he believed that the bruises pictured on Craig Height's shoulders and chest were from firing a shotgun multiple times. The blast from the shotgun perfectly fit the placement of where Craig's bruises were on his arms and chest. But probably the most damning piece of circumstantial evidence is that the killer entered the home using a spare key and left it in the door. And also broke the window. 
Yeah. So they couldn't find any fingerprints, sadly, but the prosecutors pointed out that only Robin and Craig would have known where the family kept their spare key. So, I'm sorry, Craig's defense, they really leaned on the fact that all of the evidence was circumstantial. You know, 100%, there's no DNA, no fingerprints, no blood, really no nothing left by the killer, except kind of the key in the door. They also pointed out that the bruises could not be confirmed 100%, which is true. And additionally, the video shown in court of where it was police asking Craig about how he fell from the toilet. They tried to ask him to like recreate it. If he could show himself falling over the toilet, (laughs) the defense claimed that that video shows that Craig, no matter how odd the story may be, Craig was trying to help police. And they basically say he wouldn't have done that if he was guilty. All right. (laughs) Yeah, mm, wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Defense. The defense also points out that, um, you know, Craig's brother Chris doesn't believe that they did this, neither does Linda. And Craig, I think, also took the stand and he testified that Chris took the stand to testify that Craig was very familiar with firearms and shotguns. So Chris pointed out that he also didn't believe that's what the bruises would have been from because Craig had been handling shotguns his own life and would have been holding onto it tight enough where it wouldn't have shot back and caused those bruises. I don't know. I don't know. I know. But, you know, obviously the prosecution is like, okay, but still this video of him saying he fell over the toilet is kind of ridiculous. And there's just so much other circumstantial evidence. Yeah, and speaking of which, I also read in the court document that there was evidence presented that a realtor in the area met with Craig a week or so before the murders. Craig was looking for property and said he didn't have the money at the time, but he would soon. Is this Eric Naposi and Nanette? I was just going to say, why does this, why does that sound familiar to me? Because two episodes back, Eric and Nanette did the same exact thing. Oh, why did they think that people aren't going to, like, remember that as odd? Or, like, remember that you said that and testify against you? Zillow exists for a reason. You can shop online. (laughs) So true. You could look at houses online. So true. Well, maybe not then, but still. Come on, you don't need to say that. I don't know. The realtor doesn't. True, but the realtor doesn't need to know that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... 2008 was also when the stock market crashed and real estate was like the biggest thing that fell. So whatever. Anyway, as for Robin, by the time of the trial, by the time of Craig's trial, she actually switched up and testified against Craig. What? Yup. They, I bet you any money they had something on her. You dirty dog. So in the year leading up to the trial, Robin claims it became more and more clear to her that the evidence against Craig was just piling up, and she decided that it was in her best interest to take the stand and testify. On the stand, Robin claimed that Craig was lying to her regarding he and his brother's relationship. So Robin told everyone at trial that Craig said he patched things up with Carrie a few days before, 
But the same day that Craig had told Robin that, Carrie was going on and on saying how upset he was with Craig and he was so angry at this whole situation. So Robin says on trial she knew Craig was lying about making up with Carrie. However, the jurors later told reporters that they thought Robin was lying on the stand and that her turning so quickly on the man she planned on marrying kind of proved that she was at the center of all of this. But either way, the defense, they also directly countered Robin's point, claiming that her story on the stand was entirely fabricated and everything Robin is saying, she has no evidence to back up. Yeah. So the defense, once again, they're saying you can't just take people's words and their ideas and put them on the stand as fact. And Linda Height, she also read a letter that Philip had wrote to Craig about two weeks prior to the murder that the defense had her read. The letter was Philip, the father, stating how much he loved Craig and to remember how important family was. And it also said that Philip would be there for his son no matter what happened. But sadly, Philip didn't give him the letter. Oh, that's so sad. So the prosecution countered by stating that the letter was never sent, so it was irrelevant. Like, Craig never received it. So even if Philip felt that way. I mean, yeah, that is true. Craig didn't get it, but still sad. I know. That bummed me out so much. And, like, Linda is still standing behind Craig, but it's sad because, like, it's just sad. I just feel like no matter what, like, the situation is what led to their deaths. Yeah. So basically, you know... I think everyone believes that Craig and Robin are at the height of this. The trial is just, is there enough circumstantial evidence to say that Craig 100% did this and no one else did? So at the end of the trial, the jury deliberated for just six hours. What? Guess the verdict. Guess it. Guilty. Yes. Oh. The final decision was guilty on all charges. The jurors said later that they just couldn't get past Craig lying in multiple videos, telling detectives that he was missing a weapon and a gas can, pictures of bruises, and the video of his weird toilet story. Yeah, like, why would he say he was missing the gas can? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you could have just not said anything about the gas can or the boots like especially if you're having an affair with your brother's wife you have to know that if police found that out they would think you were a suspect i know craig received two life sentences plus 85 years and that was the max sentence that the judge could have imposed Hmm. so the aftermath math (laughs) math Mm -hmm. aftermath of this whole thing so jurors they still stand strong in their decision to this day but All of the jurors and everyone involved wonders, what was Robin's part in this? How involved was Robin? Did Robin know that Craig was planning to enact this plan because she is the one who told him that Carrie was sleeping at the house that night? In the 48 hours, in the 48 hours episode two, the like investigator asks the one detective, do you, do you think that Robin had an involvement? And he says, at this time, there's not enough evidence to say that Robin was involved in this. 
And she said, but do you think Robin is involved? Or, or she said something along the lines of, so you don't think Robin is involved? And he very quickly said, I did not say that. Oh. So basically, you know, they're just saying, we don't have evidence to say she was involved, but we think most likely. Hmm. I'd agree. Either way, Robin has never been charged with any crimes, despite the entire Springfield County community in Georgia believing that she did. There's a, okay, so let me just say a little bit more tea on Robin real quick. When 48 Hours asked Linda Height if she believed Robin was to blame, she said she'd rather not comment on Robin. <laughs> Linda still contract like, it's really sad. Linda and Chris, they try and move forward and staying positive with their life. You know, it's really sad. They lost a husband, a dad, and they also lost a brother slash yeah. son. Just really sad. Like, they lost two brothers. Mm-hmm. So, Linda is still trying to move on, and just when you thought everyone would just go their separate ways, Linda does have to communicate with Robin once more. So, after the trial and everything happened, you know, there's more drama with Robin. She got remarried in November 2011, to a man who had just been released from rehab for a meth addiction. So after learning of this, Linda asked her lawyer, so the Height family lawyer goes to the court and asks to remove the three children from Robin's care because they don't believe that the children are safe living in the house with this person. And the judge agrees, and the children actually get sent to move in with their grandmother, Linda, so once the judge complies and he gives Linda temporary custody, he orders Robin to pay Linda money from Craig's trust for the three children. And on top of that, the judge also ordered Robin to give Linda the children's social security payments, but Robin either refused or didn't make it on time. Either way, she never sent any money and she was sentenced to jail time. Do you know how long? I don't. Wow. Wow. It's a little funny and a little petty, but once Robin was released from jail, the judge ordered that she had to relocate to a new town. Like, why? You messed with this town long enough, Robin. Basically, he's like, we are sick of you tarnishing this town. Wow, that is pretty crazy. I've never heard of that before. They're literally like, all right, get out. They banished her. I just picture that gif of, like, somebody dressed as the Joker when they're just, like, tumbling, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's them kicking Robin out of their town. Yep. So, Robin now resides with her new husband in Charlestown, South Carolina. Craig is making appeals, claiming various instances of neglect or injustice by the police citing that, you know, certain things shouldn't have been allowed, and the entire court document is regarding his appeal. I'll link it below if you want to know what he's saying. But the appeals have been denied. So we will just end on that. Robin's still out there doing drama, causing chaos, it seems. <laughs> but, you know, sadly for Linda and her son, Chris, the Height family is trying to just move on. And as tragic as this is, at least now, like, Linda got to be with her grandbabies that and stuff true. like that. That is true. That makes me feel a little bit better. What do you think about Robin? you think she had something to do with it? Uh, I don't know. Like, 
I'm really back and forth because there's really not a lot of evidence that she knew, but it's just like, I just don't, I don't know. I kind of think she knew and I, I don't think she planned it. I think she, like, it was probably a thought in the back of her head, like, oh, he could lose his mind and go crazy, but I don't know if she dead on was, like, was that her intent? I really don't know. And you know what I wonder? I wonder if she stayed with Craig after because he got money from Phillip's estate. But remember, Carrie took Robin off his life insurance. So Robin didn't get that payout. She only got money for the children. Which is another reason why she was kind of a bitch to Linda and she didn't give them that money because that was all she got. She only got the money for the children from the trust and their social. So then, yeah, when she had to give them back to Linda, when she gave them to Linda for the temporary custody, she, like, didn't want to pay it. That's crazy. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So it's just crazy. A lot of money, lies, deception. But it's just wild. How do you sleep with your brother's wife? I know. It all started bad. I knew it was bad from the moment you said that. But you guys comment and let us know what you think. Let us know if you think Linda was involved. Obviously, Robin. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah. If Robin, let us know if you guys think Robin is involved. Obviously, she's never been charged with anything. So remember that she is innocent. But just let us know what you guys think. Yeah. These are just our opinions. And Robinson, Robin, Robinson, Jesus, Robin could be totally innocent. In, Jesus. Robin could be totally innocent and just caught up in this scandal, but let us know what you guys think. And let me know if you've seen this or seen this on 48 Hours. It was a really good episode. I'll link it. Yes, let us know. But otherwise, we hope you guys have a great Valentine's Day. And we hope you guys are all staying safe and warm out there this winter. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to us once again. We love you all and we appreciate you. We will see you guys next time on another episode. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.